After doing so, later she recalled how there was an inner voice taunting her, saying, you will look like a fool and have nothing to say. Catherine decided that this was the devil's voice. So she responded, that's just the point. I've never yet been willing to be a fool for Christ. And now I will be one. Catherine's sermon was so powerful that immediately William changed his mind about women (laughs) preaching. As one man in attendance put it, if ever I'm charged with a crime, don't bother to get any of those great lawyers to defend me. Get that woman. (laughs) Catherine became famous and a sought-after spectacle among the rich. She would finance their street-level ministry by taking speaking engagements to confound the rich who loved to see a woman as a preacher. It's kind of like a Robin Hood taking the money. And I love rich people, so I love this story. (laughs) Catherine Booth soon developed a reputation to be an outstanding speaker, but that reputation was not shared by the Church of England. They were outraged by this idea. As Catherine pointed out, at that time it was believed that a woman's place was to be in in the home, and any respectable woman who raised her voice in public risked grave censure. The leader of the Church of England and a politician called William Booth the Antichrist for viewing women as being equal to men. But Catherine believed and was dedicated to the idea of every follower of Jesus stepping into their God-given destiny. Every follower of Jesus stepping into their God-given destiny. She said, we are made for larger ends than earth can encompass. Oh, let us be true to our exalted destiny. What a beautiful statement. We are made for larger ends than earth can encompass. Has God been revealing his destiny for you? To you? Are you starting to get a glimpse that God has plans for you that are larger than this earth can encompass? I pray that he does. I pray that he continues to. But admittedly, Catherine practiced and promoted a very aggressive Christianity. And these are her words. I've been reading the New Testament lately with special reference to the aggressive spirit of original Christianity. And as far as I can see, we come infinitely short by comparison. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Look at what is implied in this commission. I believe that no generation since the first century has yet fathomed the meaning of this divine commission. Look at it. Would it ever occur to you that this really meant 
go and build chapels and churches and invite people to come in, but if they won't, then just leave them alone? Go. To whom? To all creation. Where am I to get them? Where are they? All creation. This is the extent of your commission. Seek them out. Run after them wherever you can get them. There is some one soul that you have more influence with than any other person on earth. Are you doing all you can for their salvation? Powerful, assertive, aggressive. They were often imprisoned (laughs) for their preaching. Catherine and her ragtag converts had become a salvation army, and they looked the part. They fought, waging war on poverty and injustice and going after the darkest of souls that dared not ever enter the Church of England. And although William Booth had initially rejected the idea of women preachers, he had now completely changed his mind. He later penned, the best men in my army are the women. I love that. The best men in my army are the women. You see, if if we're to better the future, we must disturb the present. William and Catherine abandoned the concept of the traditional church pulpit in favor of taking the gospel of Jesus directly out to the people who needed him. They would walk the streets of London, preach to the poor, the homeless, the hungry, and the destitute. And the Church of England disagreed with Booth's unconventional approach. As a matter of fact, William Booth walked a group of homeless followers of Jesus into the Church of England and sat in the first two rows, to which the Church of England removed them and said that they could listen to the service behind a wall so that nobody else would have to see them. It was this that caused Catherine and William to step away from the organized church. Instead, they went to East End of London, where many of their followers joined their fight for the souls of lost men and women. And within 10 years, their little organization, the Christian Mission, had over 1,000 volunteers and evangelists. Thieves, prostitutes, gamblers, drunkards, these were their first converts to Christianity. And soon those converts were also out preaching and singing in the streets, living their testimonies to the power of God in front of others. Catherine Booth organized the Food for the Millions shop, where that famous slogan, soup, soap, and salvation came from. He said, it's hard to tell a hungry man about Jesus. The Salvation Army was reaching people that the Church of England 
had failed to have any impact on. But it was while they were working with the poor in London that Catherine found this sense of destiny, her God-given destiny, and it was known as sweated labor. That is that there, there were women and children working long hours for minimal wages in extremely dangerous conditions. Catherine set out to disturb the present. In the tenements of London, Catherine discovered red-eyed women hemming and stitching for 11 hours a day. And these women were paid under a third of what the men were paid doing the same thing. Catherine set out to disturb the present. Catherine and fellow members of the Salvation Army shamed the employers publicly into paying better wages. They then attempted to improve the working conditions of these women. Catherine became particularly concerned about women working in matchmaking factories. Not only were these women's earnings dismal for a 16-hour day, they were also risking their health when they dipped their match heads in yellow phosphorus supplied by the manufacturers. A large number of these women suffered from fossy jaw, which is necrosis of the bone, caused, toxic, caused by the toxic fumes of that yellow phosphorus. And the whole side of their face would turn green and black. And it ended in death. And Catherine Booth led a campaign against the use of yellow phosphorus. She pointed out that most other European countries produced matches tipped with harmless red phosphorus. And the industry owners responded that those matches were much more expensive and that people would be unwilling to pay those prices. The fight didn't end there. Catherine did not get to see the full effects of her campaign against the matchmaking companies. She actually died of breast cancer in 1890. But her husband decided he would force the companies to abandon the use of yellow phosphorus. So in 1891, the Salvation Army opened its own match factory. Only, they used harmless red phosphorus. And it turned out that all the workers from the other match factories wanted to work for the Salvation Army's match factory. Soon they were producing six million boxes of matches a year. Oh, and the Salvation Army paid their employees twice the amount of the other match factories. That is holy innovation. William Booth also conducted tours for journalists around his model match factory. And he took them to the homes of the sweated laborers that were working 11 and 12 hour days producing matches for companies that were unwilling to change. And the bad publicity that those companies received forced the company to re reconsider its actions. And in 1901, Gilbert Bartholomew, the managing director of Bryant and May, announced that they would stop using 
yellow phosphorus. A win for Catherine Booth. Catherine Booth once said, you're not here in the world for yourself. You have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. You have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. And that message is true today. It's true for us. It's true for you. You've not been sent here in the world for yourself, but for others, and the world is waiting for you. I pray that you begin to sense from the Spirit of God that that destiny that God has for you. Catherine's life inspired an equal voice. It inspired equal pay. It also inspired equal dignity. And in 1881, the Salvation Army opened their first house for women prostitutes. 1881. And this attracted the attention of the feminist and social reformer Josephine Butler, who brought the editor of the Pall Mall Gazette, and they mounted a campaign because the legal age of consent was 13. Stead went undercover and purchased a 13-year-old girl for five pounds from her mother, telling her that she would be sold to a brothel. To prove the point, Catherine Booth was horrified by society's hypocrisy towards the sex trade and organized a petition that was crucial to the age of consent being raised from 13 to 16. In 1884, the Salvation Army opened its first refuge for women escaping prostitution and domestic abuse. And they later set up maternity homes for mothers and babies that were leaving the workhouses. It's so interesting to think that one person's willingness to disturb the present could have such a massive effect. Catherine died in 1890, but when she died, she left behind a Salvation Army that had more than 900 expressions across Britain and had already spread to Australia, Ireland, and to the U.S. Her concern for women's status in the organization had remained strong. And in the year of her death, William published a book which Catherine had influenced. It's called In Darkest England and the Way Out. It was one of the foundational social reform, social welfare, welfare books to be released. It documented extreme poverty and proposed various welfare and employment schemes, many of which have since been adopted. This included homes for orphans, alcohol rehabilitation centers, refuges for women and girls escaping prostitution and sex trafficking. It also proposed labor exchanges, city workshops, and using farms for providing t- training and employment for those 
who are struggling with addiction. At a meeting the night after Catherine's funeral, William Booth said, she called me up at four o'clock in the morning one day this week to give me a solemn message. She feared that the women of her beloved army were not going to rise up to take the place that she desired for them. I say this, Catherine, six of the seven pioneers that started the Salvation Army's work in the United States in 1880 were women. And only one of those women were over the age of 20. And the only formal training that these women got was on the boat from England to the United States. If we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. In 1973, a young, poor girl that lived in government housing raised by a single mother, had an absentee alcoholic father, growing up in the iron ore range of Hibbing, Minnesota, received her ordination as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Salvation Army, the first of her family to receive a degree post-high school. She, too, stepped into God's destiny for her life. She, too, was willing to disturb the present. She also knelt by my side in that crisis moment when I gave my life to Jesus. This woman was my mother. Who retired last year after giving 45 years of active pastoring in the Salvation Army. And so to Catherine Booth, I say, well done good and faithful servant. And to my mother, who will be listening to this on podcast so she won't be able to see it, I salute her. The Salvation Army salute. And I say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. You're a wise God, and so we lean into that.
You're wise and you're a pursuer. And you pursue the things that are far from you, that are distant. And you invite us to go with you. And so this morning, Lord, we lean into you, to your wisdom, to your invitation, to your heart for others. And we ask for a, uh, a heart and a spirit that's willing to be taught. And so I pray for us as a church that we'd be willing to be taught by you and that we would be willing to disturb the present as you invite, that we would experience a life that is committed to others. Lord, that we would, be, we would not be a hindrance to that life that earth can't encompass. So Lord, continue to pour out your destiny to speak to us and to invite us to go with you. And may we find, uh, may we find vibrance and innovation and renewal and redemption and forgiveness and inspiration. May it all flow from you. And we pray um, that your kingdom would come and that we would see it and that we would run to join it on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen, Pastor. Thanks, Harv. Frank, look at that. You guys have a hand for Frank. Well done. And Andrew, well done. Have a great... Have a great week. We'll see you back next week as we continue our heroic journey. God bless you.